Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the podcast where we're going to choose a subject and, well, cast views. Your hosts for this show are myself, Dan. And me, Lou. Right, Lou, this is my choice topic this week and I want to talk about kind of like the evolution of, it will start with TV, but it's going to, I want to incorporate cinema you know, how we watch TV, how we watch films, basically how we consume media and how technology has changed it for the good and for the worse. Before we start, I want to say, whilst technology is great, luckily our, our listeners won't have had any knowledge of the technical problems we've had getting this episode. <laughs> the language the that was... Technical, technical difficulties <laughs> that we had getting this episode actually live. <laughs> and the language that was coming from you, I mean, I, I mean, we're, ex- we're rated explicit anyway, but my word... Well, language. I mean, obviously not to name any particular internet service providers, but there were lots of expletives used in the uh, quest <laughs> to try and get my internet back up again. Yeah. But we'll maybe talk about that another episode. <laughs> but, but yeah, but we're here and let's not waste time in case it cuts out again. Basically, like I said, I want to I want to talk about how we how we've changed the way we consume our entertainment and and like I said, primarily TV and cinema. So, I am going to go through a very brief history of TV. And for our overseas friends, this is going to be a very British centric um, view at TV because obviously that's that's where we are. And like I said, I'm, I'm just picking out the main bits and the main highlights. So. We go back as far as 1926, uh, almost 100 years ago, the first demo of a television by John Logie Baird. In 1929, there was the first broadcast of a TV using a transmitter. But then, and, and this is where it sort of starts to get interesting. So in 1932, BBC takes over the programming. So we've got our, our first channel there. Then in 1939, British TV shut down due to World War Two. Um, and at that time, it was estimated 20,000 TVs, which actually sounds like quite a lot. You know, yeah, it like, seems like a fair few for the yeah, time, isn't it? I no, thought everybody no. was still on radio back then. <laughs> yeah, um, like me now. <laughs> and then, then in 1946, TV reopens. That's quite a bit of a gap. And then, and then it's fast and furious here. So 1964, we've got a new channel, BBC Two. So your, your viewing options have gone up 100% there to two. In 1968, we get ITV, independent television, which was a bunch of regional broadcasting. So depending on which region of the country, you'd have certain programming, which was the same, but others that were then uh, like a regional, had a regional flavour. Uh, 1982, Channel 4 starts. So we're, now we're in my timeline. All the way back then, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 1982, Channel 4. Then... Gets interesting here. 1989, Sky TV comes to the UK. Uh, so satellite TV. In 1997, we get Channel Five, and then in 2002, we've got Freeview. So that is, as, as it suggests, is a load of free-to-air um, channels. There was about 30, I think, isn't it? I think that's it, really, kind of for the TV side of things. But I made, uh, uh, I made another couple of notes. In 2002, Love Film starts. Now, do you know what Love Film is? I've, I've heard of it, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what it was. Was it like a an internet, like where you rented films online or something? Yeah, so it was kind of the first Netflix of its sorts. So Love Film was a, a DVD by mail service. Okay. So I, 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 never jo- I never joined it, but yeah, you would send off, you'd select your DVD, you'd get it in the post, and then you'd return them. That was then acquired by Amazon I think in 2011 and it's then ultimately I think become part of their Amazon video I think they folded right, it okay. but when I was looking into this I was really surprised to see that the the love film brand actually didn't terminate till 2017 so that was a lot yeah, later than a nice thought. bit of longevity yeah yeah and then 2012 Netflix launches and I think Netflix was also initially boy offered as well mail mail order DVDs which which I find quite amazing, really. You know, the, the the thing of getting DVDs through the post. I mean, it's a weird concept now, but I think that's just a, a thing of the times, isn't it? I mean, it's cool to know that they started like that. It's mad to see how they've changed, obviously, to the point where everybody has a Netflix subscription, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, where, where you probably spend more time flicking through the options than actually <laughs> watching content. But at least you, you didn't have to do that and then still wait a couple of days for, for a disc to pop 
plop through your door. So yeah, so that's kind of how how TV has gone. But then, kind of since then, it's then sort of sub uh, subdivided even more. So you've got your different like satellite or cable providers. So you've got Virgin Media, uh, Sky itself. You've then got other variations. So what else have you got? You've got BT TV. I think you've Talk Talk, and then we've now got each ch- or a lot of the big channels have got their own on demand. So you've got BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, All Four, My Five, and then add on to that all the other streaming services. So we've now got um, I mentioned Netflix and Amazon, Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's yeah. another huge one. We've got Disney Plus. I've got a Disney Plus subscription as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, d- I did have. I had a free. Um, I had a free month thanks to uh, Xbox perks. That's gone now, so I'm waiting for another one to come through. But yeah, Disney Plus, uh, Now TV, which is effectively Sky, but it gives you a cut down version of it. Apple TV, which is fairly new, and I think in the UK we've got Hey You and Oh, and BritBox, which is I think that's ITV and BBC, isn't it? But it's like a subscription service. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them, but never had anything to do with them. I don't think. And and so I'm just thinking now, you know, if you look at that, it's it's gone from having that TV where we had one channel, two channel, three, four, to now streaming it left, right, and centre. Basically, it feels like there isn't a place or a kind of genre or form of tv or film that you can't get anywhere anymore so i mentioned after like some audience ratings do think tv was more watched in the past because you had to physically get up and change the channel on the tv and so it was about (laughs) who could be bothered to do that (laughs) well i guess do you know the benefit of that was i bet you watched a more wide ranging variety of television as opposed to just immediately flicking to what you want yeah let's go with that so I kind of want to talk about that and, and obviously sort of we're of slightly different ages. So I've seen the earlier bit where, you know, we did just have the, the four terrestrial channels through to where we're at now. So maybe it's a bit nostalgia, rose tinted, romantic spectacles I've got on. I think it's fantastic what we can do now, but I think we've lost something in the event of TV. So I just wondered what you thought about that yeah i mean it's weird obviously because i mean you've just illustrated how you grew up in a in a in a generation where you didn't even have television remote controls because the argument was about who was changing the channel which meant that someone physically needed to get up and push a big big gray button on the 12 inch telly in the living room to switch channel i mean when i look at television uh, nowadays it's difficult as well because i mean tv's kind of changed a lot even from when i was young like i do remember the blockbuster generation i think i was probably the last generation to maybe experience it going to a blockbuster with your parents and then sitting there for half an hour and picking a dvd and picking up some popcorn only for your mum to drop you outside the shop because she wanted to avoid the late charges (laughs) for dropping a a a dvd back i mean in terms of television though i think i was probably part of a generation that pretty much had any channel available to them i remember even as a kid like there were just so many channels on television it wasn't even an argument as to like not having something to watch because there was always something on so i'm probably a bit different in that respect but yeah i mean in terms of variety and that sort of thing when you look at where televisions come come i think that the nature of television has changed as well in terms of what we actually view I think that I've seen a change from what was just television programs to more reality based and that sort yeah, of thing as yeah. TV's gone on over the years. But I don't know. I mean, obviously, you'd have a cool perspective on the fact that I don't know how many channels you had available when you were a kid. I'm not sure how many you had. I mean, what was the number of channels that you had to pick from? Because if you tell me it was one, two and three, then I'd be like, well, <laughs> I was in four. I wasn't as bad as the, the only three channels. Um, it wasn't as good as yeah having having hundreds of channels. So when you when you were younger, then what what type of program was on television? Because obviously it was all prioritised. So you would have had BBC, ITV, and then Channel Four would have come later. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. What what's different about it was so you'd get home from school. So so what? So school say school finished at half three. You get home about quarter to four. From about four till half five, you had children's type children's tv okay i think on bbc one you had the broom cupboard with it was philip schofield at the time and gordon the gopher etc and then itv i can't remember what they called it oh it was CITV, i think so before now you've got you know because now you've got your dedicated children's channels haven't you then it was like an hour and a half two hours and then it would go into um at half five on bbc one it was neighbors 
which was a big draw. Uh, I mean, that was it was it was a it was a huge show back then. I mean, it's still going now, but yeah, you had to watch your neighbours at five thirty BBC One, and then six o'clock ITV. It was Home and Away when home when that came. On. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then that was it. And then you kind of started going into your your evening entertainment. So usually from like seven till eight or seven till nine, you'd have your, your game shows. So ITV, you would have stuff like Strike It, Lucky. Basically, what you see on Challenge TV now is, is what was <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, they do all like the throwbacks. You look at like Challenge yeah. TV. Is it Dave also does that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically Challenge TV and Dave was our core viewing. Well, I can't lie. If that was my selection, I would have turned the TV off and listened to the radio. <laughs> and then post nine o'clock, well, I think we still refer to it, but back then like the post 9pm watershed was when you'd have the adult theme programs, uh, but don't get too carried away listeners it was more just yeah your violence and your uh, sexual themes in it and then you'd have weekends where the mornings were pretty much given away to children's tv it was like nine till midday and then you had about four or five hours of sport because uh, yeah i've been even talked about sport now you've got all the sports channels but then on a saturday you had about five hours from midday till about five or six o'clock you had all like the the, the recap of the the football the racing etc so it was very much prescribed. Yeah, yeah. You had to watch what was scheduled, basically. Yeah. Back then as well, I think you had like access to football from like around the world. Because if I remember rightly, obviously this is definitely past my you know, before my time. But I'm pretty sure you used to be able to watch Italian te- uh, Italian football on like Channel Four. I think it was. I think that was in the nineties. Yeah. So I'm, I'm remembering your age. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, <laughs> I think it was mid. It's probably mid nineties, early early to mid nineties. It was basically only because um Gaza went to Italy. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he played at Lazio and that sort of thing, didn't he? Yeah. It was fantastic because that was foreign football. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got to see a, a foreign league's football. Well, do you know what it is though now as well? Is everything's like packaged up now as like to, to, to mean convenience. I mean, you look at the amount of T V channels, I could probably go downstairs on my not gonna name obviously um, provider just because I've had a moan about their internet service already um, but I could go down to my unbranded television box and I could probably flick through about 600 channels and they're all packaged whether it's film it's it's sport now and everything's kind of been packaged nowadays to to perform to a particular audience if sport is your thing and that's what you want now you just buy your sports package and you get all your sports channels fine if you really like your film okay you buy your your cinema channels and then everything else that comes along with it like freeview is obviously huge like it has got what like 50 odd channels in it in and of itself hasn't it yeah so i mean nowadays i think it's all aimed towards fitting particular audiences to their television i mean if you look at the way that we we watch television now i don't know obviously about you but I just don't see myself watching that much television anymore at all. I was interested to see if you were you were going to say that, yeah. Yeah, because to me now, when you look at television, I mean, I might flick through the channels and I think there's nothing that I want to watch, which is mad considering how you only had the privilege of four. And I've got <laughs> yeah. the privilege of yeah, what, 600 don't plus. You, don't you dare say there's nothing on TV. Yeah. <laughs> But this is the thing, and I don't know, maybe I've I've always felt like the quality of television has been getting a little bit worse. I think the problem is that there is some great TV there. I just think there are so many providers and just so much content trying to be put out that I think quality can suffer and you've got to hunt for the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true, to be fair. Because I remember when I was a a kid, I think my favourite channel was actually Dave. I know I've just ragged on them (laughs) a little bit. But my favourite channel, because it used to show all of the old Top Gear episodes. And do you ever remember Takeshi's Castle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant, brilliant TV programme. God, I wish wish they had that on a streaming service. Now, (laughs) if you put, if if there was a streaming service that I didn't have and they put all of Takeshi's Castle on it, I'd turn around and be like, right, I'll give you my money. Have it, have it, I don't mind. (laughs) You call it Dave, or as we'd probably call it the History Channel. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's a good insight into the way that people lived. <laughs> no, you're spot on about probably TV has got slightly worse for two two reasons. One is what I said that I think there were just it. There are so many channels putting output now, and I think it's about just doing the cheapest output sometimes because there is going to be an audience for it. Yeah. Like I said, let's face it, I, I think you can look at lists and the majority of the more watched programmes now are reality TV. Yeah, yeah. Reality TV's really kind of jumped into at the forefront of what we actually consume now, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and, and complain about reality TV like a lot of people do because I love quite a few aspects of it. 
but there is there are some I hate. I mean, for me, and I'm going to say it, and I'm proud to admit this. My guilty pleasure is the Great British Bake Off. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, but I love food, and to me, it's just it's really relaxing as well. They're in that tent, and you've had a bad day at work, and you can just watch people make food and laugh at the ones who get it badly wrong. On that theme. I love come dine with me. I think him because it, it, it is food. <laughs> so I can't sit here and say like a lot of people that I, I think reality TV is ruining TV because those are reality TV shows. Do you, do you think the switch to a reality TV focused like focus from from broadcasters is maybe the reason as to why people are watching less television? I mean, I can't speak for the entire population, obviously, but I personally, obviously, probably spend time consuming media and entertainment in other avenues other than television. So do you think maybe it's the switch to the focus? Because, I mean, if you spoke to my dad or a lot of people that are probably just in the generation above me, they'd flick through the channels and be like, what is this nonsense? Because it's reality TV or it's the Kardashians. Or, I mean, you know, the Kardashians are a couple of years old now. But that style of television program or it's Love Island or it's, you know, I mean, Big Brother, when you think about what a, what an amazing concept Big Brother was when it first came out, it actually did take the UK by storm as a concept, that program. I remember the first series and, and it was at, it was actually really good. Um, you know, and it's a cliche now where they call it a social experiment, but it was, it felt like that. And so much so that I can't remember the year it, year it launched, but the first season was on and... I went on holiday with my family, went to Italy, and I remember calling my sister at the time to find out what was happening because I was missing, <laughs> I was missing it. Now, and, and again, not saying this, uh, I'm not necessarily having to go at the programme. I've just never watched it. I've not really wanted to, but I've never seen an episode of Love Island. Yeah. Because it doesn't have interest to me. But that first se- series of Big Brother was just, it was riveting viewing. So is it a generational thing that the reality TV at the start was kind of something new, something different? And now every walk of life, gardening, auctions, car body shops has got a reality program on it. Yeah, well, do you know what the thing is as well? When you look at like reality TV, I've obviously, I'm slightly younger and I had my first experience with Love Island while I was at university. Because that was like, you know, it was just the, the, the flavor of the day, I guess, when I was at uni. Um, and so I've watched a couple of seasons of Love Island. But I have to say, similarly with Bro- Big Brother, I used to watch Big Brother when I was younger as well. But it's almost like the novelty wore off really quickly. Yeah. So I've watched two seasons of Love Island. And I don't know how many there actually are. I think there's probably about six or seven. And the novelty of it wore off really quickly. And I don't know if maybe the decline in the quality of TV has come about as a result of the want to replicate things that are successful and just not quite reaching those original heights. So I think to myself about um, game shows that I used to watch on Dave, which were obviously the throwbacks to like United's programs. And I think about like, oh, I used to watch The Price is Right. Um, what's that program where it was, what's a hot spot? Not, not a good spot. Uh, strike It Lucky. Uh, strike It Lucky. That was on there as well. All of those sorts of programs. I even remember, um, what was that program where they used to get people on like an obstacle course? At the end, there was the Krypton Factor. Oh, no, no, no. It was another one. Oh, anyway, besides uh, the point. Gladiators? No, yeah, Gladiators <laughs> is another one. That was absolutely... I wish that would come back. Contenders, today. ready! <laughs> the Wolfman. <laughs> but no, do you know what it is as well? So when I look at television now, if we were to take, for example, some of the game shows that we've got on at the minute, you look at, for example, what are the big ones? You look at The Chase. It's pretty huge at the minute. Who wants to million? Who wants to be a millionaire? Came back with Jeremy Clarkson, didn't it? it? Did, yeah, but yeah. Just wasn't as, as successful. But again, I think that's because you know Chris Tarrant was the face of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and the novelty of that program kind of wore off. So now you're seeing you're seeing broadcasters try and replicate previous success by almost repackaging a game show and putting it out. So if you brought Golden Balls back to television, do I ever think it would work? Absolutely not. It's a bit like Deal or No Deal. Again, Deal or No Deal was the game show of the day. It was absolutely amazing. But ultimately, it faded into nothing. And what did we do? We replaced it with stuff like the Million Pound Drop went on television for a period. And do you remember that was a really big thing at the time? Then we had The the Chase is still on at the minute. You had, what other game shows were there that were super, super popular? But you see, the thing thing about game shows and... If there was one kind of program, I've probably already said it as well, one kind of program I absolutely loved was game shows. I was addicted. I just love general knowledge. I love now pub quizzes. I definitely think game shows just aren't the same now. They should just be two or three contestants. Preferably, I want them to be Joe Bloggs off the street, not celebrities, because most game shows, they come back and it's like celebrity contestants. And it's like, I don't want to see celebrities. I want to see someone like me potentially trying to win 20 grand worth of prizes. 
But if you looked at the two you've mentioned, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And also, more more importantly, Deal or No Deal, that was great. But it just went on too long for what it was. That program yeah. should have been half hour. It shouldn't take an hour to open 20 boxes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And Who Wants to Be a Millionaire went kind of down the same route. That when, when it started becoming like two or three minutes to answer a question, I just lost interest. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like The Chase. It's quick fire. Yeah, the chase is pretty quick far. Or I still think there's something dodgy because I feel like when it gets to the end point of that that thing, all of a sudden the contestants are getting asked about emperors that lived four thousand years ago, and then the chaser will get asked the question, "What color is the sky?" <laughs> and so I've always had a bit of a vendetta against that that TV program, to be fair. But but yeah, I think that even when you look at reality TV, for instance, like you look at Big Brother, and then we've had Love Island, then there was the program X on the Beach, which I never watched. But again, I think it's kind of a bit of a similar concept to Love Island, just with people that have already been together. But it just feels like we're constantly repackaging television to put it out as something new and different. And as a result, people are like, well, I've been there, done that, seen that. I mean, when you look at TV shows, I've just thought of another game show, Tipping Point. Like what we did is we literally turned an arcade game that you played when you were five into an entire hour-long episode of television. And I think that that's mental because it makes no sense to me. And Okay, I, I love that. I love that show, and um, I think that, <laughs> I, I think the I think the reason being is again that does tap into two things of mine. One is quizzing, but two, you've got that random, almost like game element to it. So it's you know, like you just said, it's like the the two p and the ten p push machines at the the arcades. You remember they used to like yeah, the, yeah. Penny. So you've got quizzing and. A kind of a game element to it so that's just hitting all the pushing all the right buttons on me i tell you okay then i tell you what when we look at television then i'll put it like this to you do you sit down and watch tipping point the chase insert your favorite game show here because you sat down because you know it's on or are you watching it because you happen to have dinner at the same time or you happen to just be oh, in God, a chill yeah. period it's definitely the last one um because having said that i <laughs> those shows i tend not to actually watch what I've done is if I go to my mum's house, I know she likes watching those, or I'm going to have dinner at her house where she doesn't have your, your Sky TV or your Virgin TV. Yeah. And so then I'll stick the game shows on because I don't watch them at home. But no, I, I will, when when we're at home, if we're eating or whatever, I will be, um, it, it's Netflix, Netflix or Amazon Prime. Yeah. It, it's just that. Because that's it's... the thing as well. I just think to myself, am, am I actually watching television because I want to sit down and actually enjoy this program? Or am I watching it because it is just something that goes along with what I'm doing? So it's every time I eat dinner, after I've finished work, I've got the chase on TV. And that's only by virtue of the fact that there is nothing else that I want to watch on telly because it's all boring. And so I just happen to watch the chase. But if I was to turn around and you were to offer me up the, the option of sitting on Netflix or YouTube, whatever it might be, would I pick the chase over that? Absolutely not. And so this is what I mean. I think have viewership figures gone down and is television less part of our lives now than it was only because the quality of TV has gone Because you have to remember the selection of television is absolutely monumental now. But we are actively choosing not to look towards television because we've got so much else available to us because it's just not not decent anymore. Well, I can tell you that now. The organisation in the UK, BARB, B-A-R-B, and it's, that's it, it's a Broadcasters Audience Research Board. And I was looking at theirs on their website. You can have a look at the decades, the years, I think from 1981 to last year. And from, I think it was 1981, I think the list starts there, you had four channels. Uh, sorry, no, three reported channels. You go to last year, it's 315 channels. So so basically, you know, in, in the space of 40 years now, we've gone from three channels to any one of 315. And then that's not even including what we'll probably mention shortly, like YouTube and, and Twitch. Yeah. But before we go, kind of go on to that, my question to you, though, was, um, and I think you've kind of said it there, but do you, as an individual, do you, with your family, has there been programs that you actually sit down and like it's not the wrong word like destination tv i want to call it sort of in the 80s and 90s episodes of eastenders and like dallas were featuring on the news if there was a big storyline i mean we don't get that now (laughs) Do, do you know what i mean when jr got shot and dallas it was like literally the whole country was was talking about it and then you'd you'd have to watch it because if you didn't and you forgot to set up the video recorder to record it 
you'd miss it. So you'd have to sit down at that pro at that TV at seven o'clock on a on a Wednesday night to watch that program to be able to talk about it at work. Yeah, yeah. Outside of I guess there are some live events like football sporting yeah. world events do you have that kind of same reasoning to sit down to watch tv because you have to watch it there and then i think there's there's probably only maybe two instances and one of them's died down a little bit so there's been a couple of programs that i've really enjoyed um and they've been bbc so i've always really liked line of duty okay um, and they've had a season pretty much every year i think apart from um, this year i don't i can't remember when the next one comes if it, if it even comes at all and that's one program that i always used to sit down and watch and the only reason i used to sit down and watch that wasn't because i felt the need because i wanted to watch it there and then it's only because i didn't want it spoiled yeah so i knew that if i went on any form of social media at that, that point i knew that it would be spoiled so i had to watch it but bar that I, I would do match of the day as well however the problem with match of the day is now i can get highlights of the football games that i haven't watched five minutes after the game's finished yeah. because they immediately yeah. go up. Now, do I want to sit and wait until half 10 to watch Gary Lineker, Jermaine Genus, <laughs> and Alan Shearer all comment on football when in reality I can watch the highlights in, in a 10-minute segment after the game? I don't even really sit down and do that anymore, to be honest with you. It's kind of interesting you say that as well because I have found myself doing what I, I did do, this must-sit-down-watch-TV less and less as well because, one, I don't know if it's a question about time, or whether I just don't have the concentration anymore, the attention span because of modern life. But I find I don't like now getting hooked into a programme because I think another problem with modern TV is if it doesn't become a success straight away, it gets binned. Yeah. Don't like starting a programme in its first season, getting hooked on it, and then it gets cancelled at the end because it didn't get enough viewers. I've been burnt by that too many times. So sometimes I will wait a couple of years to get two or three seasons of it on Amazon or Netflix and then binge watch it because it's not like there's no content out there to to fill in the time. Yeah, and again, this kind of leads back to the issue where we're turning around and saying our broadcast is actually putting time and effort into creating something that's actually brilliant television and a brilliant watch or are they doing it for the purposes of getting quick, decent viewership figures? I mean, I went and did a little bit about, I think you've got some figures on the soaps as well, haven't you? So I went and had a look at an article and it basically had talked about like EastEnders lowest viewership figures for 30 odd years or something like that. And that was something that was this year. And I just think to myself, do storylines sometimes drag on too long? And like, are we just repeating ourselves when we look at television? And I think that that's really what the issue is, because even me now, if I was to turn around and say, what kind of original TV drama stroke series is there on telly? I just I, I couldn't give you one, to be honest. No, and we've got to remember EastEnders has been going since the 80s. So EastEnders is a a soap opera here in the UK and it, it again it was it was huge and and it probably still is but it it was massive the storylines about it, there was one of the characters got pregnant and it was I remember they were running it in the papers I think you could even take bets on who the father was you know which character it was I mean <laughs> yeah, bookies are opening it up <laughs> we're, we're betting we're betting on a fictional storyline uh yeah when when the the, the character one of the characters got killed I mean it was it was it was must watch tv I just think now not necessarily for soap operas, but another another thing with me was um, I don't have the patience anymore. So you used to get a, a, a TV series, especially like all the big shows really came from the States at the time. So we've got all the American comedies and all the American dramas. But I struggled to wait a week to watch the next episode sometimes. And it's 25 yeah. episodes in a series. And so now when you can, a lot of the series now drop on Netflix in one go. You get all the episodes often in one go. You don't have to, you, you don't necessarily have to watch it at the same time as everyone else. Yeah, you, you know, you might get the odd spoilers, but I can watch I can watch that new series, I don't know, say Stranger Things in, in two days. I don't have to wait. Yeah. One of the series that really affected me on was Lost. So again, Lost came over to this country, massive publicity, massive fanfare, and I loved it. The first couple of series, I loved it, but it was like 25, 25 episodes long. You'd have adverts. It was on Channel 4. So you wait a week and there's a lot of adverts. Now, considering one of my dream jobs, I would have loved to have got into advertising. Adverts annoy me on TV. <laughs> and so I ended up stopping watching that and then sort of catching up on it like through sort of borrow a box set of DVDs or someone when the DVDs came out. I, I then I then did watch, I subscribed, I think it was Now TV that we mentioned. I subscribed to that for the final series because I had to watch that. That was one of those, again, it was one of those events um, where I didn't want it spoiled and it was a must-see TV. But but now you've got channels that have got plus one, some channels even like a plus 24. You, I think ITV seems to repeat everything 
all the time on its various yeah, channels. Yeah. So there's no reason anymore to have to sit down and watch things in, in the order that they're dictated to you by the TV channels themselves. And um, But I do think about the cost going forward. So I was having a look here now, right? So say you've got your basic Sky or, or Virgin, say. So I don't know, you, you can get, what, between 30 to 60 pound a month, probably depending on what package you get. But say you get one with decent decent package that's probably got entertainment and some sport you're looking at around 60 quid aren't you yeah for amazon prime you're looking at another 7.99 a month and granted for all these you'll probably find deals and stuff elsewhere but let's just look at what it is 7.99 a month for amazon 5.99 for netflix 7.99 for disney plus 4.99 for apple and then if you want something like BritBox, that's another 5.99 on top so it's like how much money soon are we going to be paying to watch Watch everything, which we and 60, 70% of what's on these things we don't actually watch. Yeah, I think like there was a statistic about Netflix, wasn't there, where the average lifetime isn't long enough to watch everything that's on Netflix. So like your 84-year life, I think that's what the average is in the UK at least, um, your 84-year life, even without sleep, wouldn't be enough time to watch everything that there is on Netflix. So not only do you not you choose not to watch it, you physically, even if you wanted to, wouldn't have enough, <laughs> we, enough we, time to We watch just it. watch the same things though, over and over again. Like we've got um, currently on loop again is uh, Modern Family. I mean, I love that. And I've watched that so many times. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, we, we tend to watch the same things. It's, it's, I think it's like I said, it's, it's, it's a bit of um, like comfort TV now. You, you put something yeah. on and you just want to know, you want to watch something. You've got like an hour, half an hour, hour. You just want to put something on that you know you're going to enjoy. You're, and probably you're putting it on in the background while you're on your laptop doing something or on your phone checking other stuff out. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what it is as well? That's true because I've just started Breaking Bad again. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm two seasons deep into Breaking Bad again. And you know what? I've probably seen Breaking Bad maybe four times over. But the reason that I've put it back on is because I want something that I'm familiar with, know I'm going to like. And even though I know everything that's going to happen, I'd still prefer to watch that than a random reality program that might be on TV or a soap that I'm not going to like. And so to me, I agree, it's kind of a comfort thing. It's like you kind of stick to what you know at that point, And that's kind of what you're comfortable with. Like, for example, with film, I can't tell you how many times I've watched Guy Ritchie's films, your lock stocks. Um, yeah, this your snatch. I think the gentleman has just come out recently last year. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched those films. But if you were to turn around and say, "Oh, Sky Cinema or whatever it is," there's X film that's come out last year. I'd probably be like, "No, I can't be bothered because I'm just not not interested." But that's the thing now, though, because we can. It's we've got the gift of watching what we want to watch rather than watching what we have to watch. Do, do, do you see what yeah. I'm saying? So now, yeah you can watch shows over and over again because you didn't have to wait three years for it to appear on terrestrial channel that film and then wait for it to be scheduled in the tv and then um probably be cut to pieces if it was on tv because of the the censoring yeah i think there's a famous one i think in die hard they change an expletive that that begins mf to melon farmer they call it <laughs> <laughs> it is it's brilliant I'd rather not watch it than watch that. <laughs> but do you, but if if we're talking about TV then and as well with film, do you think as well that film in like the traditional sense? Because I know that we we wanted to and we're going to touch on film and cinema and that sort of thing. Do you think that film and cinema is also kind of dying a death along with television? I was going to say I do think that. I think there's always going to be a place for cinema because the big spectacle films, like at the moment, you, you've got to look really to the, the Marvel films, the superhero films. They're, you want to see those on a big screen. Because of the pandemic, I've not been for a couple of years and I don't know if that's swayed how I feel, like I'm not interested in, in cinema at the moment, maybe because I haven't started going back yet. You know, we've seen in recent months now the action of streaming straight to or streaming films direct to like Disney Plus. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that is going to be an option because I'll be honest with you, there are sometimes I think it's just priced a little high at the moment. So I think they're 20 quid. So I think the the Black Widow film and there was a new one with um, Dwayne Johnson in it. I think that was streamed direct to, to Disney. They were about 20 quid. And I'm like, if that was around the 15 quid mark, I'd probably do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think we are going to see a, a shift in that. But I don't think you can 
replicate the difference being tv is very personal and isolated it, well I, I, I say i say but it's very personal because you watch it in your own home and you get you can get people around of course but cinema i think nothing will replicate that big screen you know yeah. walking into it seeing the trailers and then and then just being entertained for that two hours you've made an effort to actually do that to go see it there yeah well then in that would you would you think as well then that maybe you'd be more selective with cinema so for instance when i was younger um and i was at school i'd always have an urge paranormal activity films were obviously i thought brilliant i mean you look at them now and now i'm a bit older are they scary yeah they're still scary (laughs) (laughs) but i remember there was always a want to go and watch the paranormal activity films i remember you used to go and watch all the purge films when they came out they weren't brilliant films i just wanted to watch them because i wanted to watch them then Whereas I think, what was one of the biggest releases? Was it last year? Was it Tenet? Yes. That came out and there was a lot of hype about that film. And I said to myself, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to watch, be cool to watch. Should I go to the cinema? Because cinemas had started to open and that sort of thing at that point. And I just said to myself, no, because I know that in three months time, it'll either be on a Netflix and Amazon or it will be on a Sky Cinema channel. Am I going to go and spend my 20 quid for a day at the cinema? Probably not, because am I that bothered? Mm. So now for me, if I was to look at the range of films that I'd actually pay to see at the cinema, I'm, I'm really limited. I don't, I don't think there's been anything over the past maybe four or five years that I've really had a willingness to watch. I think the last thing I did was um, the Avengers, no, sorry, Captain America Civil War, I think was the last film I watched at the cinema. And when was that? That must have been 16 there or thereabouts possibly i know we went i took you to a first suicide squad oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it might have been that no i definitely go cinema less i remember and this was something i wrote down as a kid you got the big blockbuster films come out the summer was like your blockbuster time and and it was full of films that you really wanted to see and now i don't now i think there's just as good films being made or programming made for tv i think now yeah yeah. On on your streaming channels, uh, you know, we, you didn't have that before. So I think you're getting just as good. Like again, I didn't watch it, not because I didn't like it. I just it, I just never got around to watching it. But the Bodyguard, and I've seen kind of like the the attention it was getting online. And I think you've got choices on TV to watch some really fascinating things. So I, yeah, now I've only recently gone to cinema to watch the big big budget films so it, again it's pretty much just been the the marvel films because again i love those yeah you know i'd probably want to watch like um tenet i never yeah again i've missed that i need to see it because i really like christopher nolan but like i watched inception at the cinema now inception is one of my favorite films I, I i love that film and yeah it's one that's on you can easily watch it on tv but i really wanted to see it on the the big screen for those yeah. set pieces but Recently, I have been more like, oh, that film I really like, but you know what? It's going to cost me, well, me me and me and the other half, it's going to be, what, like 30 quid to go watch it at the cinema? Yeah. I'll rent it for 15 quid on Amazon Prime when it comes out. Yeah. I want to see it, but yeah. I'm not absolutely desperate to see it. And so I was going to say, I'm always sat next to the person that's rustling the way throughout the whole film with their bag of Maltesers <laughs> or something. So I'm, I'm probably... So not only have you paid 30 quid, you've also been... <laughs> been been done over at the same time because yeah. you always get the person that sat there yeah with a bag of popcorn or nachos nachos is the worst cinema food don't, don't get me <laughs> don't get me started on, on what grinds my gears i was like i'd pay an extra two pounds to to go to a screen where you can't have food in it i tell you or, or phones <laughs> why are people looking at their phones halfway through a film <laughs> They're tweeting out spoilers. This is why you need to watch it there and then. It's like spoilers are being you're tweeting. in the moment and then you get a bright screen bright up the thing. Turn your fucking phone off. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah, and this is the thing. I've I mean, forgotten like, your like question. I, said, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not privy to going to the cinema anymore. And to be honest, you'd probably have to have a film that had more hype than anything that we've ever seen before for me to want to go and watch nowadays. I mean, you know, I've got a couple of directors that I particularly like. I noted Guy Ritchie. I mean, his last film, again, was one of those ones, I think it went straight to Amazon. And that was just obviously kind of consequence of the time. But I know that he's filming something different. If it was at the cinema, even though I really like him as a director and I love his films, would I still pay to watch it at the cinema? No, probably not. Mm, As much mm. as he's probably my favourite director and those are the style of film that I absolutely adore I will not go and spend 15 quid to go to have that experience because I know that I'm already getting it in my Netflix subscription. And this is the thing. It's kind of where are we actually going in terms of subscription services where you know you can get everything that you actually want on demand. To me, I just see the downfall of what was traditional cinema and television. 
ultimately, I think we've reached its peak probably six or seven years ago, and we are ultimately in the decline to the point of, in reality, you buy a TV package, but do you ever buy it to really watch any of the... Do you ever really watch anything on Channel 4 or Channel 5 or, or ITV? All of these channels ultimately are on Freeview in any case. Yeah, yeah. I just don't... I don't spend any time watching. In reality, the television package that I have, I use it for sport, and that's about it. But I only use it for sport that's live, because in reality, again, I get highlights of games that I haven't watched to my phone direct. There's just no requirement for me to even turn a television on. And I think as well, I mean, you noted down the price of TV packages. Let's say that you wanted to get a TV package and you said they're starting around, what, 60 quid there or thereabouts, something half decent. Yeah, well, if throw, throw in your broadband and stuff like that, you're looking around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But in reality, if you compared that 60 quid and just put your, let's say, your three biggest streaming services together, so you had your Amazon Prime, your Netflix, and let's say your Disney Plus, or insert whichever one you'd like, are you actually getting more benefit out of the streaming services where you can sit and pick exactly what you want to watch or are you actually getting more uses out of that TV package? And in reality, there's probably no need for you to even have a TV package nowadays. No, no, there's not. So we moved into a new house sort of nine months ago. And so as part of that, yeah, you get the, the deal and, and I got a good deal. So I got sports as well for the first time for a long time. But yeah, I watch the football. But in, in all honesty, it's basically TV goes on. We push the Netflix button. Or, or yeah. I look at Amazon Prime and we look at something. I, I've, I watch very little TV. And, and if I do, it's a series link it and I watch it at some point. It's like making your own Netflix because I'm, I'm building up a collection and then watching through it. Yeah. And that, that, I guess that's what I wanted to say. So for me, I think the advances that technology has given us in this area is fantastic. But for me, I think it's it's just made, I think we've lost something in that must-see TV and that talking about it at work or at the coffee machine the next day. Before we go on to like YouTube and stuff like that, I did want to just pick up a couple of things. So one of the biggest rated TV programs, and, and I won't say event because event, there, there's been a bigger event, but not by much. But the biggest TV, and I think it still stands to this day, was um, 1986. So it was Christmas Day and it was EastEnders. And it was, um, as EastEnders, again, for people who aren't familiar with what EastEnders is, it's a, it's a long-running soap opera. But Christmas Day, it's notorious for being the, probably the most depressing program on TV. But there's, there's always a big storyline. Someone's going to die or something bad happens. And this, it was um, two of the main characters. The, the, the guy serves his wife with divorce papers. And that was just massive. And that got 30... 0.15 million viewers see that is mad because that is what at the time half of the population of the united kingdom watching that more than half actually at the time yeah now if you go back to and and i was then having a look and comparing it now to what we had last year and the biggest viewed event was you'd uh, understandably it was a, one of the prime minister's statements on covid19 and that came in at literally just under 19 million so the prime minister of this country talking about one of the biggest events to hit the world in recent times and the, and the, and the you know, a global pandemic has got half the viewers that uh, a bloke serving his wife divorce papers in a soap opera on Christmas Day did. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. That's how we used to see, or that's how TV was. It was, you had to see it. And, and I was looking in America and I think it stands... No, actually, it got taken over by one of the Super Bowls. The MASH finale, I don't know if... Do, do you know what MASH is, the programme? No, I never had no idea. It was like a comedy drama. Its finale for that was... And get this, I mean, for, for us of our country, the size of our country, it was uh, 105.9 million <laughs> viewers. 105.9 million viewers tuned in to watch that programme. The, the finale and i'm thinking what what would do that now outside of a sports event so like i said i think that got surpassed i think by the super bowl and here the world cup in 1966 i think not surprisingly is still the biggest watched event but what sort of scripted program would probably gather that kind of audience now yeah i couldn't think of anything that 
people that that the majority of people are invested in that much to make it that a most watched event in in terms of that that scale when you look i mean this is the thing as well we talked about needing to watch tv there and then how many times have you been in an office where you talked about a program and said oh has anybody watched this and people have gone no 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 and you're like there's only two of you in an office that have watched something i couldn't i couldn't think of any program now that would generate that much viewership across across a nation nowadays i just don't think it's possible and I'm, i might even when this episode go, goes out i might tweet the link out with this but it's interesting seeing what the most watched program on a single channel was over the years so again very this is in the uk but it was from 86 you've got eastenders 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 crocodile dundee the film weirdly in 1989 <laughs> um, i mean it's a good film but neighbors coronation street coronation street coronation street only Fools and Horses, 97 was the funeral of Princess Diana. And then, okay, yeah, and sense. then it's as you get sort of more in, so from like 2009, some of the different programming comes in. So it was Britain's Got Talent. 2010 was The X Factor. 2013 must have been a slow year because the biggest event then was the New Year's Eve fireworks. So it must have been a slow <laughs> that, that, that was a crap year for telly. <laughs> well, Netflix launched a year before, so maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know what? If you're looking at correlation, then to be fair, there's probably there's probably a good point in there somewhere. Yeah, and that was um thirteen and a half million viewers. So that MASH finale, hundred and five million, and the New Year's Eve fireworks was the most watched thing in Britain that year at thirteen million. <laughs> And then, yeah, you know, so you start getting more events in. So, again, yeah, I know you, we were forced to. It was easier to watch single single TV then. But I think what I want to say is, yeah, that these programmes were capturing a nation rather than just, yeah, we'll get around to watching that. I think that's what yeah, the point yeah. I'm trying to make on that. Yeah. Well, well, this is the thing. I mean, you know, when, when you look at, again, TV programmes, there's so much ability now to catch up. I mean, even when you look at, for example, what you said the most viewed event was on british television where you look at the pm speech um, on covid i imagine it would have been the first one where they announced the first lockdown i imagine because that one was one that everybody knew yeah. it was on at five o'clock yeah, yeah you knew it was happening but i think even with 19 million i mean 19 million isn't a terrible viewership obviously no, 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 but no. when you look at the scale of what that meant and what that signified moving forward it was a huge event yeah and i think that it's probably not drawing the same viewership as a fictional man serving his fictional wife with fictional divorce papers only because people can just read up on it two minutes later or they'll watch it on youtube yeah. two minutes later yeah. and so all of a sudden people are like oh i know boris johnson's on or i know that that speech was happening but i'll catch it in a bit yeah. because it's not going to go anywhere and i know that i'll have access to it yeah. and that's what i think it is nowadays i think that yeah in terms of actual television viewership it's dying a death just because you've got the ability to watch elsewhere. Yeah, that's a really good point. Real life stuff, do you care about it that much? Because, yeah, you'll catch it on the news or Twitter, but a programme, a drama that you invest in, it's like fantasy and, and you want to know what happens because you don't know what could happen. Yeah, yeah. It's just an amazing way of seeing how viewing has changed over the years. And the fact that, you know, the soaps now don't get looking in terms of the top figures also shows what people think of those. We've got far more to watch now. We've got far wider. You can watch anything you want. Like I said, you, you've got programs on cooking, programs on how to make your dog behave better. You've got you can watch what you want exactly when you want it. Like even um the films. I mean, we've we mentioned it before. The blockbuster. I kind of miss that day, even though they weren't as great. But yeah, you'd rock up to the the, the store. A new release would have like load of videos and you'd hope there was one left and then it was it was funny seeing as the weeks went on it would reduce the amount of copies until there was one copy of it left in the back of the shop you know when you could finally <laughs> get to rent it what i'm trying to say is you were channeled to watching certain things i guess whereas now yeah you, we've got choice yeah and that's the thing i mean i I'm, I'm of a generation that kind of grew up in the internet age when you know media on the internet was picking up as well so if you were to talk to me about what the biggest media platform that i used was i'd be looking towards your youtubes mm. i mean when you look at like in terms of services that i've been signed up to for the longest i think my youtube account was created in 2012 and i probably would have been how old was i in 2012 maybe 16 or 17 and so in in reality i look at platforms like that and that's only because i can go out and i can search for you could probably search for anything that you wanted on youtube if you want to watch someone build lego or you want to watch someone play games or you want to watch someone blow something up or, or something like that like there was that guy fps russia i don't know if you ever remember him which used to blow things up with guns 
Yeah, but a huge YouTuber at the time. But there is literally anything and everything you could ever wish for on YouTube. And so that's probably, if I'm being honest, my most consumed form of media. I look for people that I know I am going to like because they produce the exact type of content that, that I want, as opposed to television where I might wait nine months before I even have a program that remotely sparks my interest. I know that I pop on YouTube, I will find someone that does something I like. The big difference with... I reckon your generation is more tuned into to kind of the online side of things. So as in your YouTube, your Twitch, that kind of streaming. I didn't look at YouTube for anything other than I thought it was a platform where you watch funny cat videos and babies <laughs> biting their brother's finger, uh, you know. <laughs> Oh, you are so old. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but that's what it was. Or, to, you know, if I needed to work out how to fix something, like you said, somebody would have put a video on it. I, I use it more as a referencing. Yeah. When COVID started, I fell ill. I was in bed literally for two weeks and I got hooked on YouTube. And that's then when I saw it as a, a form of um, of entertainment as much as a Netflix or an Amazon. And, and I was hooked on watching a number of channels geared around sort of like video games because that's what my interest in. And then likewise, then started looking at Twitch and realized that, again, I can see things that are made almost for me that you don't see on TV. So in the sense yeah. of, you know, like video games, it, it, it's still not weirdly, it's still not massively catered for on TV. So, you know, YouTube and, and Twitch is where, where kind of, you know, I, I got that fix from. And, and, and I saw it was just as viable as for me as a form of um, entertainment as, it, as as the old goggle box was yeah and you know what the thing is as well about youtube i've, I've always enjoyed youtube but looking at it from a practical pra- practical can't speak practical <laughs> perspective um ultimately youtube is a free platform yeah you get free yeah. content which has got hours and hours of content you can watch vlogs if you if that you're into that type of thing there's channels that cater to absolutely everything and ultimately, you're, you're getting exactly what you want. And this is the thing that, that that's why for me, ultimately, that that's where I get my content. And I mean, if you look at viewership as well on YouTube now, ultimately, the biggest YouTubers on the platform are absolutely decimating what mm. was television mm. programs. You look at some of the biggest YouTubers and, and how many followers they've got. I think the biggest on the platform in terms of individuals is still PewDiePie, 100 million plus subscribers, which is numbers comparable, <laughs> comparable to what you just talked about in terms of, yeah, single episode yeah, viewership, yeah, yeah, yeah. records, and that sort of thing. I think if you look somebody at the minute who's on YouTube's absolutely massive is Mr. Beast, and he's pulling what 25, 30 million views at a minimum um, on on videos, and that is it's literally comparable to British record viewership of what they get, uh, what some of these YouTubers are getting every single video. And so I just think to myself, ultimately, it's it's because there's content that is something you want there and then. You know when it's going to be out. You can get it immediately wherever you are and there's no worry about missing out on it because, again, it's just always available to you. You can go back and watch it over and over again. And to me, that's that's what it is for me. I spend probably, of all of the time I sit at a screen, I'd probably say 80% of my time is spent on YouTube. But what's funny about that, though, is it's not it's not traditional viewing, if you know what I mean. It's not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And anyone has got the power to do that. It could be you and I doing this. And anyone has got the power to reach those millions of people and and do that content. It's it's taking viewership away potentially from your TVs and your streaming services. But it's not that kind of medium. It's people with making their own videos talking about random stuff. Yeah, yeah. For me, you know, I I got hooked on like I said some of the the geeky and the nerdy and the the the, the techie stuff. So it was Ashens. Always still doing this. Yeah, no, I love Ashens. It was Larry Bundy because he was he would like talk about the weird things in in video games. Um, there's another channel called Triple Jump. Yeah, I would be waiting for that content to drop almost on the same hand you've got twitch and you've got people you know there are there are some people on twitch that are just watching old videotapes and 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 then talking about that so you've got a modern you know really modern way of broadcasting and and enjoying entertainment but it's reviewing a medium from like 40 years ago which I which I think is a brilliant use of it. Yeah, because do you know what it was as well? You went out and did some um, research about viewership figures for television events. 
So I had a bit of a look, and obviously there are a couple of massive internet events that happened over the past couple of years. And you'll probably know about this because you're, you know, you're in tune with like all the, the young ones and that sort of thing. You're into that. <laughs> yeah. And so um, there was the boxing match between those two YouTubers, KSI and Logan Paul. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. remember that. So that took, I, it was watched by over 2.2 million live viewers. That was concurrent, wow. I believe. Wow. It was 1 million people paid to watch it pay-per-view and 1.2 million watched illegal streams on Twitch. <laughs> So you look at that event and that has generated more viewership than you would see on any given night for any television program. And ultimately, it's an event between two blokes who have got nothing to do with fighting that have just decided to have a bit of beef on the internet. And it's pulled better viewership figures than TV TV broadcasters could ever dream of at that point. And not only that, people have paid for the privilege That's of watching amazing. that as that well. That is amazing. I mean, if you haven't followed like the evolution of, of, of this and like the internet and technology... Someone will say, "Oh bloody hell, I don't get that," because you're talking to someone who, yeah, in in the like the eighties and nineties, that was reserved for like Mike Tyson fights. Yeah, that was pay per view, yeah. and you see Mike Tyson, say like Frank Bruno, they were amazing. They were like heavyweights. They were at the peak of their their sport. So to hear that you say like, yeah, it's two YouTubers, but it, that's the evolution, right? They are the the new stars. They are the new pop culture figures. Yeah, they yeah they are ultimately bigger than your mainstream celebrities. So ultimately, they draw bigger audiences. When you look at you know your KSI, I don't know if he's the biggest UK YouTuber, but he's probably got twenty plus million subscribers at the minute. And again, when you look at the UK viewership that you get on television, twenty million people subscribe to a YouTube channel is astronomical yeah, yeah. viewership compared to what traditional TV is. Yeah, here we go. If you look at if you look at the list of the um, pay-per-view boxing bouts and worldwide KSI versus Logan Paul actually shows up in between the likes of your Manny Pacquiao's yeah, and Anthony yeah, Joshua's yeah. which is absolutely mental it's it's yeah it sits between Al Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin and Manny Pacquiao versus Shane Mosley two two humongous monumental fights and all of a sudden two YouTubers are getting involved in that in that form of media and outdoing them which is absolutely mad but but this is the thing, you know, it's, it's how much of a challenge is new media in the form of your YouTubers, your Twitch streamers, a threat to what, what we view as traditional media and your TV broadcasters. I, I think I think that's the thing. I think the, the, the beef that a lot of people would have, though, is that, you know, you have got the boxers who have worked their way up, trained day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, trying to get that chance. And then you get a couple of people who have made their they're famed by doing videos on YouTube, getting that big money Las Vegas title belt, or, or not title belt, but, you know, big money. But then there's no different to Britain's Got Talent or The X Factor, where you've got bands grafting away in pubs and clubs trying yeah, to get yeah. a recording contract, but then you can sing in front of Simon Cowell for five weeks and then get a recording contract thrown at you. Yeah, and, and, and this is the thing to me as well. It kind of links back. Do you know I talked about football at the very beginning where we talked about Italian football being on television? Mm, yeah. To me nowadays, I feel that people are almost being kind of put off by watching sport and, and traditional like entertainment events. So you you look at football, okay, so Italian football was available for free, wasn't it, on Channel 4? Yes, time, Channel 4, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For free. So you know, you knew who your Italian footballers were at the time. The Italian league was great and it was entertaining. Ultimately, now, if you ask people in the UK about the Italian leagues, what would they know about it? And that's because it's not accessible anymore. Ultimately, companies like Sky have come in. And I don't know what a premium sports package is to get all of your, your like Sky Sports channels to be able to watch you know, your Champions League games and that sort of thing. I think people are more, are more disinterested because they're almost kind of being a little bit priced out of it as well. So I was doing some research and most football fans nowadays don't actually watch full live games. They will sit and watch highlights and reviews of games online after the event or sit and watch live streams of people watching the games as opposed to actually paying for the privilege of watching their team play. And that's because they know that they're going to get the result. They know that they're going to get the analysis and they know they're going to get the highlights. What is the need to pay for that football game for 90 minutes? Even to watch football. So I want to watch football so that'll be the premier league all the premier league games and uh champions league i've got to have sky sports which i do but i've also got to have bt sports yeah. and amazon prime get a couple of games now i think they've got the rights to a they few do, games yeah. yeah they do 
I, I haven't watched Champions League. I used to love the Champions League, but I don't have BT Sports and, and I can't justify spending that because I just about watch the, the games I want to watch on, on Sky Sports. So so not only do I have to have a Sky subscription, not only do I have to have Amazon Prime, but I also have to have BT Sport. That's going to be just to watch my own domestic sporting calendar. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not even in, looking into like, you know, if I want the, the Spanish or the German leagues or anything like that. It's just to watch football in in my own country i've got our three up to three subscriptions well this is the thing and i mean we just touched on boxing as well with the youtube event between ksi and logan paul and how many viewers it pulled and ultimately i think as well where traditional television entertainment media kind of fails is there's no familiarity anymore i mean we raised the point about you know boxers train their whole lives for a fight that will make them 100 million quid or whatever it might be and Obviously, this opportunity has been stolen by a couple of blokes who made FIFA videos and <laughs> vlogs, respectively. Yeah. You know, it, it, is a, it is a bit of an embarrassment when you think about the principle. Yeah. But ultimately, we've seen, like, I've seen so much of KSI since I was young because he's been probably one of the people that I've been subscribed to for the longest in terms of he put out FIFA content, which I loved, and then it transitioned. And I still watch him to this day. And for me, it's a case of I have a familiarity with that person and I like that character. When you look at traditional sport and the way that boxing is, for instance, you know, you talked about boxers and not knowing many of them, apart from like your Tyson Furies, your Anthony Joshua's, there aren't any anyone in reality that's a big enough personality to want to pay for. And so that's the thing. These YouTubers have got audiences that see them in and out, week in, week out, three times a week or whatever it might be. There's a level of familiarity that ultimately allows them to step into traditional media and bring huge audiences with them. So you look at the boxing promoters, all of a sudden they're vying at the opportunity to get some internet personalities to fight because it boosts their viewership. That's a really good point, actually. The fact is, yeah, that to watch the, these kind of things now, a lot of people won't, but YouTube, everyone's got access to YouTube. Exactly. So if, if, if I don't know anything about boxing, I've got to pay for a subscription to watch the boxing or I've got to pay for a package or I've got to pay it pay-per-view. So comparatively to YouTube, I've already got that content for free. So I've already I've got to pay for the package to see boxing fights and see interviews and exclusives and all that sort of thing. Then I've got to pay pay-per-view to watch the fights when ultimately, again, I'm way more invested in the YouTube personalities and the storyline that's going on there than I ever would be with traditional boxing because ultimately I don't know anything about boxers nowadays and, it, and, and the access isn't as good. And so that's the thing. I think ultimately they've cornered a gap where you can benefit from the viewership figures that you're ultimately pulling from your free platform to one that's chargeable. That, that's the thing. Like I said, do I get the the argument about, you know, it, they're an embarrassment to the sport? I kind of understand where that argument comes from, but do I begrudge anyone doing that? No, if they can, anyone would. Yeah. And, and like I said, for these guys like KSI and Logan Paul to become famous, people had to actively want to watch them. Yeah. It's not forced on a on a, ch- a channel, and you they're fed down your throat from um, a station, TV station. You wanted to have to watch them, and people, a lot of people do, and have made them into that, put them into that position. So you know, fair play to them. Like I said, yeah, I remember coming to your house and you showed me a KSI video of him just laughing at FIFA, and yeah. I thought, <laughs> wow, this this YouTube is good. Now he's like, yeah, he's now <laughs> making albums and everything. So yeah, yeah well, like, exactly. Like, living so, a dream. Living it, a I dream. mean. He's, he's on the radio and in the charts. And you think about that. I mean, I think I saw him on Graham Norton as well. And I think this is what it is. The BBC are looking at it from the perspective of he will bring us viewership because he's dragging an audience that doesn't care about us. You know, when I mean, I love the Graham Norton show, to be fair. And I will always watch the Graham Norton show because it's, it's all right. But again, even with that, I still catch it on YouTube as opposed to watching it on telly. So I'll watch the individual interviews as opposed to that. And that's the thing. You look at traditional media, they are looking at new media to help bolster their own figures because they're not able to do what YouTube, Twitch streamers are actually able to provide nowadays. All right. Well, I, I think we'll probably leave it there now. I think that's a good point to finish on. But what I would say is, KSI, if you are listening to this and you want to help out a fledgling podcast, you know, who who, <laughs> who were fans of your early videos, uh, you know, please drop us a... Uh, Drop us an email at castingviewspod at gmail.com, which is open to anyone, <laughs> really. But yeah, actually, before before I go, there was one thing I wanted to say. So, you know, you laughed at the fact about having no remote control for the TV. Now, we, we take for granted you can record something off your Skybox by just pushing 
a button, single button, you get a series link. I was able, when I had Virgin TV, I was able, you know, on the app to set things recording while I was out and about. But, you know, before it was videotape, you had to set it up. So you had to manually set the start time, I think it was, of the program. You'd program it in when the pro- when you wanted it to start recording, when you wanted it to finish. And then there was some really fancy system came out. It was called Video Plus, where only certain programs, I think, had it. But in the TV listings in the paper, there'd be like a 10-digit number or something. And you'd tap that into your remote control of the, the video, and that would automatically <laughs> record it. But... The funniest thing I remember was one of our early video recorders. It had a remote control, yeah, but you had to actually plug it into the video recorder itself. So it had a cable coming from the remote control that you plugged into. into the <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll leave it on, on, on that while you're listening to this on your smartphones. I was so glad I was born when I was. <laughs> no struggles like that. <laughs> so before we go please do drop us a note at castingviewspod at gmail.com if you've got suggestions for an episode or any comments on this episode. And do check us out on Twitter at castingviews. Yeah, so so check out our Twitter feed. Lou, before we go, is there anything you want to say? No, I think that's it, apart from the fact that, you know, TV's dying a death and YouTube is the way forward. <laughs> and podcasts, and podcasts. <laughs> and, podca- uh, and podcasts. Actually, and podcasts, didn't yeah. even touch on that. Maybe we'll do podcasts on its own thing, because I did want to bring podcasts in. But, right, before we finally, finally go, I was looking at all the old TV programmes, and I haven't told you this yet. So all the old TV shows used to have catchy slogans and catchphrases, and I think our podcast needs a catchphrase, kind of okay. like the style of the old tv show so i want to premiere here premiere it here so listeners and lou what do you think of this i know there are many podcasts from which you can choose so we thank you for listening to casting views (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I reckon we could put a jingle on that as well (laughs) that's a wrap that's a wrap before you go If you like your entertainment in the form of Dungeons and Dragons, check out this trailer from the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three hour long story, like a movie for your ears. So you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast, fantasy action, mystery, friendship. 